Hi, you're listening to Overtired. Uh, this is episode 69. Oh, we'll try to refrain from making jokes about that. Uh, I'm Brett Terpstra, and I'm here with, as always, Christina Warren. How's it going, Christina? It's going pretty good, although I'm a little upset that we're not going to be making more 69 jokes because, you know. I didn't say cr- we can't. I just don't want to lead in with the obvious jokes. No, that's totally fair. That's totally fair. I respect that. I um I work in a place where at 420 every day um, I get like DMs on Slack from certain people that's like, hey, it's 420 like every single day. Um, and I, I work with a guy who literally has an alert for the numbers four twenty and six nine. So, um, I work with immature people who are great, very smart people, but yeah, I, I, I now work with like, with like a bunch of, a bunch of 12 year olds. It's great. Yeah. That sentence didn't make full sense. (laughs) Most people are, if you can enjoy it, then it's great. Totally. So we will try to refrain from too many 69 references, but it's a big milestone for us. I mean, because we do this semi-regularly, so we're, we're getting ever closer to you know, that magic 100 number. <laughs> Let's see, at our current pace. Yeah, I know. It'll be like years, but By hey, you 2020. By 2020, Overtired finally has 100 episodes. Um, also, huge thanks to anybody who's listened to all 69 episodes, because that's like a trek, as we've discussed before. Anybody who's listened to, you know, our uh, shenanigans. Especially people who had it in their, like, queue and then forgot it existed until a new right. episode popped up, and they're like, oh, cool. They're like, oh, cool, that's still around. Awesome. And you were like, yeah, yeah, we're still around. That's all right. Sorry, sorry for being, you know slow hey we have lives we do have lives and and uh and we both have other podcasts we do and, and other stuff going on and and stresses we're also both people who who can deal with like a friend who disappears for years and then pops back up and sends you a text message that says hey how's it going and immediately you're friends again like i i don't take offense to that same yeah i feel like that works for us yeah, and I feel like it's kind of like our show. Our show is that friend that's just like, hey, we're we're still here. What's up? So our show is called Overtired. Mm-hmm. I, 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 it's not appropriate for me anymore. Have you been getting a lot of sleep? Uh, I started, I got this um, app called, let's see, Auto Sleep. And it's from the same person who made... Heartwatch, which okay. I use in tandem with it, but Autosleep uses my Apple Watch. Okay. And I, I I wear it to bed every night, and it automatically knows when I'm sleeping. I don't have to tell it, okay, I'm going to sleep. It determines when I have laid down and when I have fallen asleep, and it will in the morning tell me how much I slept, what the quality of sleep was based on a combination of motion and uh, uh, pulse, like heart rate. Yeah. And it will kind of mark for me areas where I woke up and areas where I got up. It'll tell me how much time I spent in bed awake and asleep. And it's amazingly quantified data that I can then use to improve my sleep. And I'm to a point where I'm getting eight to eight and a half hours of sleep at a 70% quality or higher. That's awesome. Yeah, it is. Um, So... 
that, we have accidentally so- d- div- dove dived dived into yeah. Brett's health corner. Yeah, no, but I'm glad we did. But that, that that we're getting that out of the way earlier, or going right into it. Um, so that 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 app, that it's called Auto Sleep. How much does it cost? I think that's free. Wow. Honestly, so, I don't so, remember. So I just got um, I just reviewed the new Fitbit Alta HR, and um, any of the Fitbits that have a heart rate sensor, so the Alta HR, the Charge HR, the the Charge Two, the Blaze uh, smartwatch now have this feature called Sleep Stages, and it's a very similar thing where it uses your heart rate to figure out when you're sleeping, what type of sleep you're in. And then the next morning is the similar thing. Like in my Fitbit app, I see how much light sleep when I was, was I in, when was I awake, uh, how much deep sleep, how much REM sleep. Um, and, and it's like you, I find it incredibly useful to have that sort of quantifiable data. Uh, some people when I was like writing my review with some of the, the editors were like, I don't understand why this is useful. And I'm like, no, but it is. I'm like, maybe I was like, maybe you don't sleep poorly. But I do. Um, um, I'll, I'll note that I just found it's three dollars. Three dollars. That's great. Well, I mean, and honestly, like for, if you have an Apple Watch and you can wear it while you sleep, my big thing is the battery life on the Apple Watch doesn't really allow that. The to Series for Two me. is what made it possible. Okay. The Series you, Two a charge on the Series Two will last me about forty-eight hours, and it recharges in under an hour. So yeah. I will often, I'll put it on the charger like when I brush my teeth and I don't usually go straight to bed after brushing my teeth there's like uh, some downtime and then some reading time and then I'll put it back on before I fall asleep so you know in that range like I haven't I haven't missed any of my daily like movement and an exercise quantification and I also get my sleep quantification and yeah no honestly that data is really important yeah, I think so. I think for me, like I, I found out like how often I I wake up kind of in the middle of the night and how long it takes me to get back to sleep. And like one of the things I found is that like it's very common for me at around because um, I don't I don't know if, if your app does this. I'm sure it does. But like I can actually go through like granularly like kind of like control like time based mm-hmm. like like exactly what time stuff is happening yeah. and, and like, it'll show me, Oh, okay. I was up for two minutes between three fifty-eight AM and 4 AM. Yep. But then it will show me around like five thirty is when I really, my body starts to wake up and I might not get out of bed until seven forty-five. but I've got like two hours of like restlessness. And that's helpful because if that's going to happen every day, like you instinctively know, okay, I'm spending a lot of time in bed and I'm not really sleeping. But like when you see that, I'm like, well, maybe I should just get up. Get up you know? or see what I ended up doing. I'm I, I've been doing a lot of hippy dippy shit lately, um, taking supplements and doing cleanses. And when I say cleanse, I don't mean like don't right. eat and have nothing but maple syrup and lemons and all that crap. Um, but uh, I've been taking supplements. There's one called Antronex, which is basically beef liver, like okay. hun- actually hundred percent beef liver, and taking that before bed uh it works as a kind of an antihistamine for the liver okay i have four months i had a restless point between two and three a.m almost every night that uh supplement fixed that i sleep all the way through that point now like it was to a point i would wake up every night between two and three 
Yeah. I fixed yeah. it. That's awesome. I'm so and, not and overtired now. That's so good. Yeah, no, I'm still tired, but I, I do find it is useful to like have that sort of activity. Um, let me ask you, so you've got the series two. Did you, you had the series one Apple watch, didn't yeah. you? And, and you primarily bought the series two for development or just because you wanted some of the features? Uh, because I took one too many showers in my series one. Interesting. Okay. So, so, so Tim Cook's, uh, uh, boasting way back when that, that he showered with his, that didn't last for yours. Not forever. Not forever. Interesting. Um, I don't typically shower with mine, so uh, so I don't have that issue. But that's inter- that, that that's good to know. Now you'd had the sport one before, or did you have the black stainless? Sport. I can't remember. Sport. Okay, and I'm sure you got the sport as your as your replacement. Yes. Yeah, it makes sense. I um I've looked at I'm, I sp- because I bought the stainless steel one. It's now been two years, but I spent like eight hundred dollars on an Apple Watch. I'm <laughs> I'm not gonna. I might buy a Series Three. But, but that, that'll like, it'll have to be the series three that I, that I get one for. And even then I, I don't think I'm going to get the stainless. I think I would get the, the sport. Yeah. I didn't see the real benefit to leveling I liked, up there. Yeah. I liked the design and, and at the time, um, they didn't have the rose gold option in the, um, or the gold option in, in the sport, you know, that anodized aluminum, which I think adds something. And I really liked that modern buckle. And I, I just, you know, I, I don't know. I, I Oh, right, because you it. give a shit about fashion. Exactly. Yeah. But now now I feel like if I could get a rose gold one, that would count as fashion in a way that wouldn't require <laughs> me to spend $800 on a watch. Speaking of fashion, can we, can we go on a tangent here? Yeah, of course. The, uh, the drop crotch harem pants that Justin Bieber popularized? Uh-huh. Can these end now? Yeah, I mean, I would, I, I would be game for that. That they should definitely end. Has there ever been an uglier fashion? I mean, one There's that made it, of- one that made it all the way down to the streets. I'm not talking about what you see in Milan. I mean, there are horrendous things every year that you see going down the the runways. But this one made it to the street, and people are wearing these. <laughs> They're horrible. Oh, my God. Okay. Yeah, no, I mean, although I don't even think Bieber wears them anymore. No, I think he started something that he shouldn't have. Yeah, they're not great. Like his career. (laughs) Okay, but Purpose was was a good album. I I hate to like, I mean, I know he was almost entirely unresponsible for it, but Purpose was a good album. Like... Love Yourself is a good song, especially under its original title, which because Ed Sheeran wrote it and was originally called Fuck Yourself, uh, okay. which it, uh, podcast title in which Christina <laughs> defends Justin Bieber. Oh, in which Christina becomes a believer. <laughs> Christina, that's the, that is it. That is it. So so but but I do have to say I would be even more of a believer had Love Yourself, which is a great song, actually been been called Fuck Yourself because the lyrics make the lyrics make so much more sense if if you if uh, the chorus is um, uh, you, sh- you should go and fuck yourself uh, like they, they, they really, really do. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, Love Yourself is a good song. I'm not defending his fashion choices. I am just saying the the earlier the pre-purpose albums i'm all about like hating on and like not having any defense for i hate myself because i like that album and i've gone on record on that before i don't know if on this podcast but i certainly have other places i hate uh, you a little bit too it. for that <laughs> that's 
that's fine. That's fine. If you were to listen to some of the songs and you didn't know it was him, you'd find yourself singing along and be like, this is pretty good. That's entirely possible. And then you'd find out it's Justin Bieber and you'd be like, what? One time I, I was actually, I was like, oh, this is a, a cool tune. What's playing? And someone's like, Dave Matthews Band, which I have a long time. Hate for. Uh, it's, logically, I am not allowed to appreciate anything he does. Despite musicality, despite talent, uh, I am basically bound by my own prejudices to hate everything. Gotcha. Uh, and I accidentally liked a Dave Matthews song, which... Do you remember what song it was? Has scarred me to this day. No, actually, I I never knew what song it was. I just knew that I had momentarily appreciated Dave Matthews. Yeah, I had I had I had a Nickelback incident like that, um, and uh, and 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 I thought that I was like, oh, this voice sounds familiar. I was like, this is pretty good. And then I, then I listened closer. I was like, oh shit, this is Nickelback. And I was like, nope, nope. Even though like I remember when this is how you remind me or whatever like came out. I remember like being like, oh, this is a good song. But I was like in 12th grade and this was before they became Nickelback and and so I give myself a, a pass on that but yeah no you all, I I think we're all familiar with those moments where there's an artist you absolutely loathe and then you hear a song and you're like damn it yeah but for, but for me it's a whole album and that album is called Purpose and and you well, know and it's not to say I'm super close-minded I mean I thought that sure. about Taylor Swift for example and right. then I heard a song that I was like holy crap that's a good song and yeah and at and first you, I was like I felt bad about myself for thinking that and then I gave in and then like, you oh. listen and you realize oh she's actually an amazing songwriter and then we speaking of Taylor Swift she's missing um like Richard Simmons missing or I mean people are kind of I mean she's not missing like Richard Simmons is missing <laughs> and Richard Simmons might not, not even be missing like he's Richard not Simmons missing it's it turned out he just wants people to to go away yeah I mean that's what he says but like uh, the pot that takes well, away the from fact it. that he says it means he's not missing. Well, I mean, <laughs> people still haven't seen him. Like he calls in, but we still haven't seen him is, is the thing. And people who've known him, cause like this had come up the story that the, when he called into the today show last year about, or two years ago about this sort of stuff like this, this, this thread's been going on for a while, even before the, the podcast, which, um, I think is uh, I always I, I felt the podcast. I mean, it definitely engrossing, but also I, I I stopped listening to it at a certain point. I was like, this feels invasive in a way that I'm not really comfortable with, and it also feels racist in a way that I'm not comfortable with. <laughs> and it you was. know because like, yeah, because <laughs> like how can we? Why is he spending so much time with his Latina maid? It's like you know what? <laughs> Screw you! He's like I went over to his house and the maid was eating with him. It's like dude, what the hell? Like there's some problems with that podcast, even though like. It I was terrifically invasive completely so but um and i just listened to like two episodes but um uh but no taylor swift apparently this is everybody's now been kind of running this story i don't think she's actually missing i think that she's purposely like trying not to be in the spotlight but that's you know weird for for her to go this long like without instagram posts or or being spotted by um paparazzi or like to you know hang out with her friends like it's been it's been a couple of months since we've seen her like she had a she had a concert in february and literally she has not been seen in public since then she's pulling an adele yeah i mean i think so i think it's just the difference is like adele is super famous but she's not Taylor Swift famous in the sense that she always has people 
Right, but she disappeared for years and right. then created a uh, number one selling album. Oh, without a doubt, without a doubt. And I think partly that, because people were, were, were like had almost forgotten. Yeah, I mean, and I think that, that but see, Taylor Swift is like, we've talked about her before about how like she, you know, she's very calculated. And I say that in a positive way. I think that when people write that about her, she gets pissed off. I actually think it's a good thing. But she has always done this like every two years a new album comes out thing. And she'd already said like last year, she was like, well, I'm not going to have the two year cycle. So she didn't have an album in the fall. And that was, you know, disappointing for fans, but fine. Um, but she was still releasing songs like she wrote this song for Little Big Town. And she wrote that Calvin Harris song that she only revealed that she wrote after they broke up and he was being an asshole uh, <laughs> on the internet. And she was like, oh, by the way, that number one hit you have, I wrote. Um, and everybody was like, whoa. <laughs> and then um, and she she did that, that that song with Zayn for the Fifty Shades of Grey soundtrack. But like, so she hasn't like, dis- like so she's still been releasing music, um, just not, you know, the, the same quantity or whatever. But like Adele before this most recent tour she was definitely famous and 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 21 was like a humongous album but she wasn't able to tour with it because she had those vocal problems so she had she wasn't like in the public spotlight as much plus she's like a more was more like a british kind of celebrity before she won all those grammys a few years ago rather than like what happened after 25 came out whereas taylor swift is like a bona fide celebrity celebrity. You know what I mean? Like she's one of the most famous people in the world. So it's weird when she's like, not like nobody knows where she is. And, and I've done some, some research. You'll be excited to know <laughs> into, um, not where she is. Cause I don't really care. Um, I mean, I, I hope she's happy and doing well and enjoying a well-deserved break. And I think she probably understands better than anybody else that, you know, as much as I love her, I would say she totally goes overexposed and we, we didn't need to, you know, hear from her the same way we had been or whatever. But, um, I was curious, like what her fans like response is. And on Tumblr, the Taylor Swift fans, the Swifties are kind of going insane. Of like, course they are. They uh, kind of have, can't don't deal. They always. They do, but then because she's been like literally because it's been like two months and nobody has seen her, like they're seriously like freaking out and they're coming up with all sorts of theories. Now her fans are insane anyway. Like they, she has two private jets. They track her jets, Brett. They they track her they track her planes, and I'm scared so, but not surprised. <laughs> It, it is disturbing because when she was like, there was this theory that I found on these one, these some sites that were totally crazy where, you know, how remember how last summer she dated Tom Hiddleston. We talked about I, this. I remember we had a whole episode about Hiddleston. About Hiddleston. Okay. Well, you know, they broke up as everybody knew they were going to break up. And like, and it seems like it was amicable. Although he then went on this crazy interview with, uh, with, with GQ where he was basically like talking, I mean, where it seemed like he was utterly heartbroken by the whole thing and like talked about it way more than he ever should have talked about it for a GQ cover story when he's ostensibly promoting like his big action film. Like it was, it was a weird thing. Like he's been like the, and of course the entire interview was or the entire article was about Taylor Swift. I'm sure they talked about more things than the few days they were together but instead the entire thing was like like apparently they talked about you know the the pressure and whether it was fake or real and he was obviously adamant that it was very real and 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 how he didn't want to hide and this and that and then apparently 
he felt like he didn't express himself maybe adequately to the journalist. So he like texts her at like six o'clock in the morning (laughs) and he like makes his way to her hotel room. She's like about to go to the airport, like to go back home because she'd come to England to interview him. And he like stops by like her hotel and is like, wants to have a last minute like meet up so that he can talk to her like off the record and like expunge his soul about what he really means so that he's not going to be misconstrued and then even even she's writing she's like yeah i, I didn't misunderstand you I, I totally got it dude um <laughs> it was a weird interview it's a great interview like one of the all-time great celebrity interviews at least uh in the last few years like it's a really good one but also just makes made it look like wow she really did a number on him um or the relationship did or or the ultimate fame whatever Regardless, like, so that sort of thing comes out and you would, when that article came out, like that would have been like the perfect opportunity for paparazzi to like find her like at the gym someplace and like get photos of her. Like she doesn't have to say anything, but just like, oh, where are you? But like, she's nowhere to be found. So then there were some crazy fans who were like, had it's funny that you think she'd go to a public gym, but she always has. Really? Yeah. She goes to like this like place like, oh, right. Cause you're tracking her. Uh, well, I'm not. But like, <laughs> I'm not. People that I follow on Tumblr are, um, for real. They're crazy. But like, no. But they had these crazy theories that she and Tom Hiddleston didn't actually break up. That they got back together and were still together in private. And that she was not using her planes because her planes were obviously showing her like at like normal locations, like in Nashville or or wherever. But she was taking. Um, like charter jets to London. Like they were tracking, you got to the point, like this is when I started getting scared for like Taylor Swift, to be totally honest. Um, I became a little afraid for her is when people like, I realized like they like were looking at, Oh, well her private jet arrived at this airport at this time. And a private plane from that airport went to this location at that time. And then it had this trajectory and like trying to figure out, Oh, well, were there any other celebrities who might've wanted to take like a, a, a charter jet to London from this location. Like, is there anybody else who, who could do that? Like the, just the, the level of, of insanity. And like, this isn't even illegal. This is like just using public information. And I'm like, holy crap. These, these, like these college high school kids are, are scary. Um, regardless, Taylor Swift is missing. We don't know where she is. I hope she's okay, but she hasn't been seen in two months. So. That's your, that's your, uh, we've, we've done a little bit of Brett's health corner and that's, uh, Christina's, uh, uh, celebrity slash Taylor Swift gossip corner. That was an amazing tangent. We just went on. <laughs> it really was. So I, I, I have one last point in my health corner though. Yeah, yes, Let's go back. Yeah. Let's talk about your health more. We've talked about yoga before, right? Yeah, we have. And how like you talked about that, that was what got you like your back problems. Like that's what solved them. It has solved so many of my problems. So I, I a lot of my, uh, mental health stuff got worked out. I currently have a psychiatrist who is helpful and understanding and actually gets me the meds that I need. Uh, But then uh, my health insurance, I had to switch health insurance due to life events. Mm -hmm. And I needed to get the version of (laughs) health insurance where the state subsidizes some things. And... Mm -hmm. Uh, there was a reduction in the number of providers and things got last minute. I spent like, I think a total of 15 hours on the phone. Uh, finally got my health insurance. Turns out I now have a, like, I think $5,000 deductible on meds. So despite my health insurance costing me less, I am paying $900 a month for the meds I need. Right. And this is 
this is not good right now in my life. Um, so I have been finding uh, alternatives, like hoping, you know, like right now I'm still on the meds and I'm hoping that things can continue. I'll find a way. But the year without meds and finding yoga and finding exercise in general as like a solution for ADHD and meditation, like that was all great. And I've started realizing that yoga is very different for me than running or lifting because you have to focus so much on so many things. You have to focus on where your shoulder blades are, where your shoulders are, what you're, how you're breathing, you know, where you're putting your weight. And it takes so much concentration. And then you also have to be aware of like yourself and what you're thinking that you you stop thinking about things like Trump and and internet privacy and all of this and you know your own personal life at the same time that you're getting the exercise that the brain needs to actually engage in something and i am current like i've gotten good at yoga i i would i would list myself no longer as a beginner after a year of yoga i I would be comfortable jumping into an intermediate level class and feeling completely competent, which I like. That's awesome. And yeah, like I just want to say yoga has been hands down the best thing that came out of my horrible year without any meds. I'm really glad to hear that. And I've heard that from other people. I should actually... I tried it before, but I haven't like done it in depth and, and it's, it's, it's actually difficult for me to do yoga because I work so much and I work like 8am to 6pm and that makes it hard. Like I could, I could do early morning classes, but like there aren't locations that are. If you do have to choose do morning instead of evening. Okay. Yoga is way more useful in the morning. It, 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 it fixes a day for me. And an evening class fixes my evening, but then I go to bed and I wake up and I have a whole nother day of, yeah, no, do morning. Yeah, I think for, yeah, I, I might try to see if there's like a place near my office or something. Because... Also, find a forest class. Forest yoga has been kind of perfect for me because it's less about, it has a little less meditation. Like it's still a very like spiritual kind of uh uh, uh, we'll say a Native American slant on the spirituality behind yoga, but it also has a lot more uh, care for pain while still doing advanced positions and everything. It's it's cool. cool. Hard to describe, but it's cool. Sounds good. Yeah. Sounds good. So, okay, well, I'm, I'm really glad um, to hear those updates, and, and I'm sorry that you're having to pay so much more for your um, medication, although I am glad that you were able to get more, um, you know, get on an insurance plan at least, you know, so that's at least. <laughs> yeah. I, spent, I mean, I spent two months without insurance despite starting the process at the very beginning of open enrollment. Everything got haywire. Yeah. And then, I mean, you know, and thankfully, you know, at least for the, I mean, who knows how long, but like uh, Trump care was, was that that bill didn't make it to Congress. So we still have the ACA, at least for, you know, a little bit longer. Um, I think for quite a bit longer. Like, Trump's I mean, I not going to go back to that failure. I mean, I don't think so either, but I just, I'm so, like, 
scared of making any proclamations with regard to him or decisions that happen with the administration, frankly. As a random aside, I am holding in my hand right now uh, a gold-plated, tiny little uh, USB uh, flash drive Mm -hmm. that I got. It's a decade old, at least. And when I got it, as some like it was like swag from a conference or something. Uh, it's I, I would say it's like um, one inch long by maybe half an inch wide, and I named it immediately when I plugged it in, <laughs> plugged it into my computer to see what was on it. I remembered I had named it Donald Trump's penis. <laughs> Do you but, remember why you named it that? Because it was gold plated and an inch long. But but I mean but, uh, right, which makes sense. But do you, do you under do you remember what it was a decade ago? That, I like, had very recently think- been to Vegas. Ah, I had very. I think it was. I think it was the win. I don't remember where I stayed, but I remember leaving Vegas with a distaste for all things Trump and gold. Gotcha. And uh, it it is funny to find it now. Yeah, and it takes on a different connotation. I was um I was listening to an old episode of the Long Form podcast a couple of weeks ago, and uh, it was it was one that was done back in like 2013 with um Nancy Nancy Joe Sales, who's a great author who wrote um uh, the the article for Vanity Fair called The Bling Ring that that movie was then based on. She wrote a book on it too, and she um has uh, written um, another book about kind of like uh, teenagers growing up, and she's done like a lot of very well um known like celebrity profiles and things for New York magazine and Vanity Fair and places like that. And, um, anyway, this interview was, it was a few years old and she was talking about, you know, people, um, who liked her stuff and, and how she kind of separates, you know, interviewing famous people, um, and then actually developing a relationship with them. Like she keeps like that distance. Like she doesn't think that just because she spent, you know, time with, with someone that she is, um, like their friend and the, but sometimes they will invite her to things after the fact. And she, you know, share like an anecdote about Trump. And it was so funny because I was listening to it. And for a second, I forgot that it was an old episode because many of the things like could have, could have happened, but you know, it was, this was like 2013. So this is before we even had any idea that he was going to be running. And it was just funny. Apparently like he, he'd offer to like fly her to Mar-a-Lago and like wanted to like, you know, uh, wine and diner because he really liked something that she'd written about him or something. And, and it was just, it, it, it was really interesting just kind of as a reminder to me about how differently, even just a couple of years ago, like, and, and, and she wasn't, when she was talking about him on the podcast, it wasn't like in a strictly negative terms, but we weren't really positive either. But the, the general kind of thing was just almost more like bewilderment about him. And he was just kind of, you know, seen as like this caricature and it's just so funny how um how much that changes you know it hasn't changed everyone still sees him that way except we care well more because no, he runs well the no except he has power the, dif- <laughs> the di- no it has changed though because he has power so you can't just laugh off the eccentricities and 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 the boy and and the, right it's no longer you know, reality tv it's just reality well and, and 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 he's he's controlling things and has like a you know he he's the leader of the free world um that's not easy to say, but it is true. So, um, anyway, that it's interesting to me how, um, I love that like a decade ago you, you named that USB drive that, (laughs) but it, it, but now it has like, it's totally different 
it has it, more it, relevance now. It does have more relevance, but it's just. I used to also, have to explain pe- to people why I thought that right. was funny. Now everybody's like, oh, ha, ha, ha. You, they, like, you think you would have named it that today. It's probably, oh, yeah. Like, Hitler had a micro penis. <laughs> um, so anyway. So anyway. We've moved on to politics now. Yeah. So, yeah. And I think uh, I think we can. I don't know how much more you want to say about politics. I mean, I want to talk about the internet privacy stuff, but I don't really want well, to. Well, this is, this is where we're headed. Uh, yeah. Be, because as a Taylor Swift pro- podcast, we really need to talk about what Congress has done most recently. Yes. Which is to remove restrictions on ISPs selling our data without yep. opt-in options. Yep. Now, you used to work for a really big ad company uh, yeah. by the by the name of America Online, uh, which is... Now, you left before the Verizon acquisition? Yes. Okay. Um, but but obviously, they were like a really big ad player. So I don't know. I mean, obviously, what you were working on was not in the ad space at all. But did you have any insight into how much stuff they were already collecting? Because some things that... Because people obviously are very upset by the idea that, that these ISPs can now sell your information. And I'm obviously amongst amongst them. I think it's terrible. Um, it's It's gross. Um, and it, it, it's not right, but I do, I have seen some kind of pushback in the sense that people are like, well, this is bad, but do you have any idea how much of your information is already sold and how much of this stuff is already available on other markets? So I, I, so I, you know, and all of those kids, so AOL on all of their properties runs, uh, beacon and that collects a large amount of browsing data and much like Facebook tracks you continues to track you around the web targets advertising based on that information. And, uh, it is, it's cookie based. So there's not an explicit opt in for that stuff. Right. Uh, it is, it's private sector. People acknowledge they are, you know, providing that information by using a service, uh, much like Google, Amazon, who, correctly you state have always had the option to sell our data because we all sign without reading you know a terms of service agreement right and so it's not it's not new we all know we're giving away data in exchange for convenience which i think has been a topic here before yes um but the thing that bugs me about the isps is the isps automatically have all of that data Right. You don't have a choice. Uh, and it so breaking news. <laughs> my favorite news story of the week is that Pornhub. Yeah. Is doing HTTPS? SSL. Yes. Yeah. I love that. Which, yeah. I mean, if you look at, if you're in a country where, say, something like homosexuality is punishable to whatever extent. And you like to watch gay porn on Pornhub. Who doesn't? This would be information that is now compromised. And by Pornhub going HTTPS on everything, they are basically protecting that. The government can know that you went to Pornhub, but they cannot know what you watched. They they won't know what you watched. Right. So, which I mean, I think that's really interesting. Let's talk about that a second, because when they announced that, that is one of my favorite stories of the week too, is that, you know, Pornhub um, last week announced that they were going to be 
doing that. And I love that. It was actually, there's one of two good Pornhub stories. The other one was people on Reddit found people who've like uploaded full copies of non-porn movies <laughs> to Pornhub. <laughs> and uh, like, this is totally not the full version of, of Step Brothers. This is totally not the complete film of, of Rogue One. This is totally not the first, you know, like just all kinds of stuff. <laughs> and um, I kind of love that. Uh, I, kind I kind of love the idea too. of I totally like we we wrote about it for Gizmodo and I totally like spent like part of the morning, like with Pornhub open, like in my browsing window, not watching porn, but like legit watching Step Brothers. Yeah. That's like, what I always say too. Um, I mean, I, I would tell you guys if I was, oh, watching. I, I was joking. I mean, I don't care, but, um, but, but it, so, but the, the second part, you know, was the thing that they announced, like, I, I think it was at the end of last week or whatever that they're doing like HTTP S across the site. Because what's interesting to me about that is, as you said, you know, obviously your ISP will know that you went to Pornhub, but they're not going to know what you viewed. And that is very important, but doesn't that also mean that it's difficult for Pornhub and to, to then sell things to their advertisers? Yes. Well, actually, it's a huge deal, especially when you're dealing with a video heavy site of any kind. Uh, You're you're working with CDNs, content distribution networks, and to get SSL encryption across everything when you're not just dealing with your own organization, it's it's a huge, uh, we'll say, inconvenience for everyone involved. And it absolutely affects their ability to do the kind of tracking that would target ads in, in the way they had in the past. Right. Which I guess is what I'm saying. I'm trying to give like Pornhub some kudos because it seems like that was, I mean, on the one hand, it seems like a very, you know, the sort of move you make and you announce to get good press, but it's also the sort of move you make that if you, you're doing it ostensibly for the right reasons and it can, it's going to cost them money. Yeah. Like it's, it, it's, it's a, a concession that, on their, on their part. It's a decision that's going to cost them money. Like they will not make as much money. Yeah, as but they, they could have. They offered to plow streets for free. Porn oh, is all about good press. And well, they, they're all, they're bizarrely goes, actually doing good deeds. Well, that's what I'm saying. But this is always beyond plowing the streets of New York for the snowstorm that really wasn't as bad as it was yeah, predicted. Yeah, that's fair. You know, um, and, and, and it's not like, you know, the, the, the text for emoji, you know, to, you know, they had the bot to like send, you know, different emojis and they'll pair you with porn. Like, it's not a matter of like, this is something that a is going to give them good press. Right. But B could conceivably, as long as they do this, like actually interfere with how much money they make and how profitable they are. And that's yeah. awesome. The, they made that decision. Cause you're right. You know, I think porn is one of those things that in the United States right now, as long as it's, you know, not as long as it's legal pornography and that's all mm-hmm. we're talking about. Like it, if the information was sold about you, it's not like you can be openly discriminated against in any way, because at least unless you're like running for the Supreme court or something like for, you know, what you watch at home, but people understand how sensitive that is. And obviously it's possible that in some parts of the world, because Pornhub, you know, people more than just the United States use it, you know, the the information could be um, used against people. I, I think it's great that they're doing it, but um, I'm also, it's also one of those movies where I, uh, when it happened, I was like, well, wow, this is impressive because this could cut into their bottom line. Yeah. Well, as a, as a last point on the porn discussion, I will say the Pornhub has done an amazing job of getting press to the yeah. point where someone who maybe didn't grow up looking for porn on the internet, mm-hmm. Pornhub is probably the only thing they think of at this point. Yeah, I mean, I would say I I, I don't know because I don't. Yeah, I think they're probably one of the, the top destinations, uh, at least 
kind of go to. I mean, they they wanted to be the YouTube of of porn. And um, I mean, you know, I think X XTube and RedTube wanted that too, but I think Pornhub has been the one who's actually succeeded. Absolutely. So anyway, internet privacy though. Yeah, no, I'm bothered by <laughs> this. I mean, what what bothers me too is that already Comcast, um, uh, AT and T, and Verizon have all come forward and been like, "Well, we're not going to sell your information. You know, we're we're still going to uphold these things." And I'm just like, "Okay, well, how long does that last?" Because right. it's great that they're making those statements, um, but like, how long does that last? Here's what bothers and- me. What at at what point? Uh, like, we elect officials to look out for our best interests. Right. There is nothing in uh, the removal of these restrictions that is beneficial to any American citizen. No, not, not in the slightest. Unless they own an ISP. Hmm. Yeah, so for those citizens, yeah, it definitely is beneficial for them because now they have yet another thing to sell. Like you look at a, a healthcare change that would, you know, kill millions of people and you say, okay, this got blocked because it is clearly not in the best interest of the constituents, but this kind of sails through. And it honestly, I mean, they talk about how much money each, I think it was Vox kind of disclosed how much money each congressman, congressperson. Yes. Received a small amount from the ISPs. Yeah. I mean, really it's not, Peanuts. but they still bought their way, but they still, they still bought their way in. And, and I, well, I honestly, I have to wonder if it wasn't about buying their way in because the money was so small. If it was a matter of, them getting sold a good argument and then Congress not caring, you know, and, and just yeah. genuinely not caring, like, and not understanding kind of the, the, the broader, um, problems. And then I have to wonder too, you know, we didn't hear, start to hear about this until it was too late. We, I talked about this a little bit already on, on my other podcast rocket last week, but I think I would love to kind of hear your take on this because, you know, we, on, there's been some kind of discussion that maybe there was kind of like outrage fatigue because, this was passed right after the repeal of the Affordable Care Act bill was was dropped, right? Mm-hmm. So a lot of people were obviously calling Congress and 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 uh, were were lobbying their um, the representatives about um, that, and 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 were very much like, "Hey, you can't take away my health insurance, and this is going to be a really bad plan." And we're we're kind of going like into gangbusters mode about that, right? Which is awesome, but you didn't have any of that sort of thing happening around this bill. And part of some of the arguments that I've, that I've heard is that, you know, people were kind of like outraged fatigue, like they'd already kind of gotten up in arms about one thing. And so they kind of couldn't, you know, stand to walk and chew gum at the same time. But I also want to know like what your thoughts are. Like I follow this stuff, right. But I didn't see this coming until maybe like a week before it was passed. And then it was, it was, it was like, it, and it was very clear it was going to pass. It, it was very clear that it was too late. I wonder, like, where where was our where was our reporters? And I mean, I, I guess I have to include myself in that. But like, where was the press and kind of covering this and 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 giving this the attention that it deserved? Like, why was this able to kind of pass through unassumingly? Well, see, the EFF and and Move On both sounded the alarm on this months before it happened. And I do say I do I do think that the we'll call mainstream media did not see it as a priority over the healthcare. And that's right. fair to me because the healthcare I, me bill was healthcare is far more important. Absolutely. More disastrous. But But I guess but like this had to have been in the works for a while, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? 
Like, yeah. like I don't think this was just something that just suddenly came out of nowhere. Well, I got a notification from the EFF. And for anyone who doesn't know, that's the Electronic Frontier Foundation. And, um, and I think actually Snowden tweeted about it. But, you know, this is, they said this is coming up for a vote in Congress. This is uh, the largest attack on Internet privacy ever. And mm -hmm. uh, and and they I guess like at this point, I'm even I, I have fatigue. I read yeah. EFF and, and think progress and move on. And I just I don't care anymore. Like it's you you can only sound the. Um, the the world is alarm. ending alarm so yeah. many times before people normalize it. Yeah, this is kind of we were talking about this in our last depressing podcast or lap when or, or really depressing political one that we did a while back. <laughs> this is was kind of like my fear when we were talking about stuff like you were all like ready, ready to like radicalize. And I was like, I don't know, like I, I this is what I fear is that the fact that all this stuff is happening, getting upset about these things normalizes everything and allows terrible bills like this one to pass without mm -hmm. anybody even stepping up. I mean, other than the EFF sending out something and yeah, I get their emails too, but I didn't, you know, I saw it, but it came, it seemed to come late, you know, and it came like you were saying, amidst the, the healthcare stuff, which is obviously more important and which right. you're and if you're going to gonna call a congressman every day, you're going to, yeah, you're, you're going to call, call about, about that. Healthcare. Yeah. It's just, it's just, uh, it's incredible that this was able to kind of, you know, it was like the Fox was able to get into the hen house, so to speak. Yeah. And and the the longstanding kind of repercussions of this are um, are not good. And um, I, I don't understand still how, you know, this was done in the name of of protecting users privacy. You know, that's that's, <laughs> it, that's, that's it was. Of course it wasn't. But they, they claim like, you know, if you look at the bill, like the things they say, like it's going to the complete exact opposite. It's just it's one of those. Like, like you said, the only people this is good for are for people who own ISPs. And, um, and but although even they at this point, they have to wait a while. I mean, that's the only wow. um, thing that kind of makes me. Well, it, they won't wait forever. I'm not saying that. I'm just I, I do appreciate the the irony that the, the, the public relations are so bad that it will probably be at least a year before they can do anything because, you know, the, the, the outrage machine, once it was clear that it happened, was so swift that the major ones. Now, I think it's probably sadder the smaller ones won't do this. But if you are with a major ISP, they're going to be too, too afraid to do anything for fear of, of public backlash. Um, although, you know, give them a year, I'm sure that all of them will renege on those promises. So, well, hmm. on that so, note... On that note, well, you wanted to, you wanted to, uh, what else do you want to talk about? I, I, have you seen the Sprint commercials that are running right now? Yeah. Are you talking about the ones with the former Verizon guy? The former Verizon guy using the set from the current Verizon commercials. Yes. Yeah. Uh, you, I, I recall Microsoft doing something similar when Apple ran the very, the white stage with the PC versus Mac. Yes. Uh, John Hodgman and what's his name? Yeah. Uh, Justin Long. I'm a PC. I'm a Mac. I still have a T-shirt somewhere that says I'm a Mac. And they started. They ripped off the style and and tried to refute the message, and it it didn't work for me then. No, um, and, and and Microsoft smartly like stopped. Like yeah. I think they did one of them, and they kind of saw the, what the reaction was, and they know how to read a room, and they were like, you know what? 
not a good idea. Sorry, guys. Because seriously, I'll see uh, I'll see a good commercial from a company that I don't necessarily have any interest in, sure. or that I feel is inferior to another product. But I can appreciate a good commercial. Yeah, I love a, a good, good ad. original ad, and it like the the Surface ads. I honestly, I wanted a Surface after, totally. after their ad campaigns. When a company directly like they take the underdog position and hire hire former like yeah. i mean the can you hear me now thing was one of the honestly best uh carrier commercials that i've seen in my lifetime you're you're not wrong and it went on for years like he literally had that job for years and and it was one of those things yeah can you hear me now it it was perfect for that time when so many other places you would have drop-offs like it really kind of encapsulated so now how do you promote him as anything other than a benedict arnold yeah i mean i remember when so when they started with him he's been working with them i guess for about six or eight months now because i remember when when they first hired him getting like the press release on it and and like rolling my eyes i mean like <laughs> i don't want to give this any i don't want to give this any any press because i think that this is kind of a lazy move because but then, the course, premise is you have to assume that he actually gave a shit about verizon to begin with exactly precisely <laughs> and and not that he's an actor who, who has become who was paid and not only that but you know commercial actors go through this a lot um and that's why many of them are paid well um where they become too recognizable and can't do anything else yeah you know, like, 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 like flow from progressive can never do another ad. You know what I mean? She's flow. So they pay her well. Pigeonholed. Completely. And he, you know, was, I'd found old articles, you know, in the past about how much he'd been paid for certain periods of time. And he'd done some, you know, other commercial work and, and whatnot. But like, you know, that's, you, you get known for that. And, um, I'm not going to fault the actor who hasn't worked in a while and who Verizon, you know, like in the contract, I'm not going to fault him for taking the job, but I'm also, I, yeah, I, I, it's just, it's to me the laziest form of advertising, because like you said, it has to assume that that guy ever actually mattered or <laughs> B that the reason that ad was successful was because of that guy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like the, I, the reason was that it was, it was a funny slogan and, and he was interesting. People would recognize the Verizon guy, but like it was the, the whole conceit was, you are going to have service no matter where you are right. because they have the widest coverage and that's why they charge so much money. Like that was the, that was the implicit thing. The, the funnier part to me is that Sprint's message is, is not we're as good. It's that, well, we're almost as exactly. good. Exactly. Like that's nuts. the part that's just like, I'm like, you can't even like, they, they can't we're even within 1% of coverage in certain areas. And it's like, okay, no, like I live in a major city and so 1%, like I'm going to have good coverage no matter where I'm, where I'm at. But I've definitely been in places like in, even the suburbs where you see the difference between the carriers. Like I, I really like, I think T-Mobile has great advertising stuff and they have great prices, but depending on where you live, they're not always an option. Um, you know, that's why AT&T and Verizon have such kind of a duopoly, you know, mm -hmm. uh, because they do, you know, T-Mobile is getting better and they're investing more, but that's why they do. And so, you know, for sprints, like a to basically be like, oh, well, we're almost, we're almost as good. It's like, dude, really? Really? Yeah. Like, well, I mean, where I live and in geez. fact, I, all of the, uh, the flyover states having anything other than Verizon or AT&T is, it's just a bad choice. 
Right. And like in my town, AT&T has to send micro cells to everyone just so they can make phone calls from their own homes. Verizon owns this town. Like there's no reason anyone in this town should be using anything other than Verizon. And that's, that's true across a lot of the Midwest. Um, on, you can't refute that Verizon has the best coverage. So what, what, what's Sprint going to do other than kind of pander and beg? Yeah. And, and, and then just, I don't know, just, it, I mean, I remember when it's, when it came, when the first ads came out, I was like, well, this is really sad for everyone involved. Like, this is just sad. Yeah. It'd be like, it, you know, to be like, that was my like, immediate. Yes. My immediate reaction was this just pity the like basically asking for pity. It's, and it's that like upset me. It rubbed me very much the wrong way. Yeah. It's like when I don't remember who it was, but somebody, you remember that the pets.com sock puppet? Yes. Okay. Well, some other brand brought that back in an ad, like, you know, like five or six years later. And they're like, oh, everyone deserves a second chance. And they had like the the, the, the pets.com sock puppet. And it was one of those things where I was like, okay, I understand how this creative was sold and how some company like was sold by an agency that this would be a powerful enough idea. Um, but, but it just struck, but that just struck me as like, God, why would you just want to remind people that like it, it's, and it was sort of funny for like the five people that would remember it, but it was just kind of seemed like a missed opportunity. You know, this would be like, if you were, I don't know, like, like a laptop maker, let's say you're like HP and you hired, dude, you're getting the Dell. And he was like, dude, you're getting the HP. But like, you know, 15 years later, like 15 years later, we kind of don't care. You know what I mean? It's just, it would, it would, and HP, I don't think would do that at all. I think they yeah, would like, no, it's, it's 100% a bad strategy. Let's just put it out there that no one should do this and no one should wear hair and pants. And these are things we should change the name of this podcast from overtired to uh, get off my lawn. Yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you. We're grumpy. I'm grumpier grumpy. than you are, but yeah, you're grumpier than me, but, but I, but I'm with you. I'm not, I'm not, not a huge <laughs> fan of that. All right. So we also have in here, we have a um, podcast transcription. We have to talk about kite first. Okay. What is kite? So I, I, my friend, I, we may have talked about this band before my friend, uh, uh, Ben has a band called the sweat boys and they're, they do like this, uh, kind of it's pop synth pop music, uh, and they're all dressed mostly in um, uh, short leather shorts and no shirts. And it's a very like kind of homoerotic. And then there are guys that are part of the band, but all they do is like pump weights on stage. Nice. And it's hilarious. It's fun. It's uh, danceable. So I went to see them. But for the second time, they were playing with a band called Kite out of Sweden. And... I didn't stick around for Kite the first time that this uh, kind of pairing happened, but I did the second time and realized this is a huge deal. Um, like Kite is within this realm of kind of underground synth industrial almost music. Okay. Um, they are, they're a big deal. Like Minneapolis was a given stop for them and Chicago. And then most of their other tour dates were, East and West Coast, but they chose to come back to La Crosse, Wisconsin, because they love it there, and they love Ben, and they love the kids who show up for those shows at a place called The Warehouse, 
which anyone who lives in the region, if you don't know about the warehouse, you should you should find out because it's an all ages venue, no alcohol, that has for decades now brought in amazing bands. The Descendants started a tour in La Crosse, Wisconsin, because of the warehouse. Really. Um, yeah, like this place is amazing. It's half an hour from me. I I spent most of my high school year uh my high school years weekends were at the warehouse. Um it it's amazing. Anyway, Kite has this very emo synth industrial sound that is it, it feels like if Tears could play a keyboard. And not in like a cure kind of way, just like it just their light show and their sound and all of it is amazing. And I feel like everyone should already know who this band is, but I'm finding <laughs> that they don't. Yeah, I've never heard of them before, but they they um I'm definitely putting this like on my like playlist of stuff. Um Yeah, they have multiple albums on spotify and apple music and i assume other services yeah it's interesting because i'm seeing that they have like a lot of videos uploaded i guess like like on this progress pro channel but like it doesn't seem like the band themselves has a youtube channel which seems like a missed opportunity that that it probably is uh their live shows like i after after falling in love with them at the live live show i listened to the entire discography on spotify and it is. It's good. It's still excellent. Um, but the, their live show is their light. The lighting design at this show was you could almost you could almost have no music and just go through the lighting design, and it would have been a very moving thing. Uh, it's worth seeing live for sure. Okay, kite. All right. Well, we've got the link in the show notes, and um, everybody should give them a listen. Definitely. So anyway, we have uh, we have no time left. Uh, technically, if we're going to keep it to an hour, yeah. Is there is um, there any any of the any other topics you want to hit? Well, I just wanted to briefly talk on like a, a just uh, Jason Snell's article about converting podcasts into text. Yeah. Yes. So that's something I've uh, I had a conversation with uh, a reader of my blog uh, recently. And he mentioned he was trying to find a, a dog harness that I had mentioned a, a year more and more ago on Systematic. And I couldn't remember exactly what had been mentioned. And neither of us could remember what episode it had been talked about on. And I realized podcast search should be entirely possible at this point. Yeah. Uh, Google should be indexing all of this. And the voice recognition is good enough that. I mean, if Evernote can do it, why isn't Google indexing podcasts? Well, right. Not only if Evernote can do it, but like Google can do it, you right. know, like like the Google Assistant can do it. Yeah. So I started looking into this and uh, based on uh, Jason Snell wrote an article called, what was it? Uh, the Dream of the Dream, yeah, the dream of, of Converting of Podcasts into Text. And he had a few links in there. Uh, basically, he talked about how kind of... Uh, comedic the results could be for speech recognition on a podcast but he linked to Auphonic, Auphonic, Auphonic uh, A-U-P-H-O-N-I-C 
And I started checking that out and it is kind of amazing. I uploaded, I used my two free hours of trial time to upload an entire episode of Systematic and it transcribed it in a way that was entirely searchable, provided me with the full transcript and a JSON structured, uh, like time coded version of the transcript along with like a really amazing automatic EQ and normal normalization. Uh, so uh, I guess I would plug Auphonic. It's, it's kind of amazing. And you can, for $11 a month, get nine hours of processed audio. But I would also say because of that, I, I dug into Google's speech API, API the cloud speech right. API and started writing some command line tools to chunk and and transcribe audio to see if I could just do this myself. Um, ultimately, it doesn't seem to come out more cost effective right. than doing it through this service. Right. So, so paying paying your own time and, and doing your own stuff doesn't seem to be any cheaper than just using. Well, yeah. I mean, grant. It, first, you have the time investment up front. And right. then you pay, I think, uh, six cents a minute for the processing. And that adds up. So yeah. $11 a month for nine hours. That actually... For nine hours isn't bad. And then with the information they provide, you could easily build the kind of search engine. What's the one that does all the... Let's see. I've lost it now. Um Oh, here, the pod search. Yeah. From David Smith, uh, incomparable accidental tech podcast, talk show, neutral cortex, hello, internet and Roderick on the line are all indexed via uh, speech recognition transcripts. And it makes it possible to search for any topic and find out not only what episode it was in, but where in the episode it was, you can click on a result. Yeah, because that's always the thing, right? Is that, you know, show notes, <laughs> there are some podcasts that do meticulous jobs with it. There are most do not. And you miss out on those sorts of things. And then you have to listen to one to two hours to figure out exactly what Where, was said what, about you know, something. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. No, I mean, and I think that's the thing is that it just for, for, for search stuff, it doesn't have to be perfect. Like Jason Snell, he was kind of talking about how, like, like you were saying, how comical some of the results were, but I feel like if it can get close enough, it doesn't have to necessarily be perfect. You could at least get an idea and then listen to that, to, to that section. Well, and, and the get trick is sense. just to build a fuzzy search. Right. So if someone searches for a topic that was improperly transcribed, it could at least make an educated guess as to Precisely. what it would be. I'm yeah, I'm really I'm, into this. I need this. I'm into this too. I, I need it as well. Um, you sh- you should um you should start going through. I mean, nine hours a month. You don't do that much podcasting a month. So, I mean, unless each episode of of, of systematic is is really long or whatever. So you could start you know using that eleven dollars or even paying a little more and start going through your archives. If it ever became profitable enough to do more, I absolutely would. But yeah, right now, I eleven dollars a month covers my podcasting. And right. That's what I, I would just what, need. What, what, what I meant is that if you weren't using that much, yeah. you could also then start to go through your old episodes. Yep. Because that's I, the challenge, right? Yeah, definitely. Is that you have like so much, so much content built up in the past, almost, like I, almost two hundred episodes. I would need to. Right. So, convert. so you can't do that. You can't do that in one shot. But if you were saying, okay, well, I only used four hours a month, then you could dedicate that other four hours to start going through. Yeah. You know, 
well, that, and then that. I would want to build the search engine and everything. But ultimately, I really it should be part of yeah, Google. I'm surprised. It should be part of web search in general. Well, I'm surprised that Google. I, okay, knowing this and knowing that people are doing this, I would be surprised if we didn't see a commercial product like this from Google as part of their podcast directory. Yeah, I, it it's bound to happen. Because you know they've been pushing people like when they launched that last year. You know everybody they want everybody to submit to to, to the Google you know play um, to, to Google Play and we're in Google Play, aren't we? I Pretty don't sure. Know. I don't know. Um, if we're not, we should be, but like, I'll look into it. Um, cause it's just submitting an RSS link. Um, but you know, they should start that indexing process. I think that the challenge for Google might be, you know, they have to download each of those stuff. I mean, they would be able to, to, to do it like machine wise without a doubt. They could do all the processing stuff. It would just, I could see that it would kind of be like, you know, their, their project that, you know, then got shut down, you know, digitizing all the old books. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like there, there, there might be ownership things and they might need to write something into the terms of service that if you submit stuff, you can do it. But you're right. Like there's no reason why this shouldn't be an official Google thing. And, and frankly, they're the ones who should be taking the expense because I feel like anybody, if you're going to do it your own for your own site and whatnot, that's one thing. But I think anybody who's going to try to commercialize or not commercialize, but have like their own project of podcast searching, like I don't ever see that as being um, a profitable endeavor. Can you imagine being able to log into something like iTunes and just punch in a keyword and find an episode of any show? I mean, it would be amazing. <laughs> I mean, I think the difficult thing, though, is that a lot of these things do just go based on RSS feeds. So these services don't really host the audio, you know, so right. you've got to go through the process of downloading each file, then processing each thing. And some of those links are good and some of them aren't. You know what I mean? And some of those links change over time. So... Yeah. Well, and in my experience, uh, working with either of the uh, WIT or Google APIs for speech recognition, you have to do some conversion. You have to provide mono tracks if you want to come up with any kind of structured data, uh, convert them to raw format, and then chunk them so that you can actually find out you know, where this was set in the podcast. So it is a bit of a uh, processor-consuming processor process. Oh, definitely. But the processing power exists now. If anyone has it, Google has it. Oh, I was going to say, they, this is this is the perfect thing for, for the Google Cloud to do. Or, you know, if Microsoft wanted to do it, they could do it with Azure. Sure. Um, you know, I mean, if Apple wanted to do it, I mean, I don't think they would. I think it kind of goes against their model for a lot of things. Um, but um, I'm sure that, that a lot yeah. of... You mean their model of providing horrible search that would benefit <laughs> developers in any way? Uh, I mean, Developers I didn't want con to content creators. I mean, I didn't want to say that, but I'll, I, you know, I'm just going to say it. Okay. You say it. I'm not going to say it. I said it. All right. Um, but yeah, I mean, but this, this would be the sort of thing that would honestly, if Google were really serious about wanting to make Google play like a podcast destination, having podcast search built in or hell, if you're Stitcher or, you know, scripts, you know, why yeah. aren't you, why are they doing that on their, on their stuff? You know? Yeah. I don't know. Great, great, great topic. But yeah, that's, that's, <laughs> that's I, I'm with you. This should exist. All right. So I'm going to say we save Ghost in the Shell, Logan, and Big Little Lies for a future podcast. I agree. Because I have I definitely have thoughts on all three of those, especially Big Little Lies. Um, but uh, but yeah, we, we will save that for a future one so that we don't keep us going too long. I know we went longer than we were supposed to. Sorry. But I wanted to talk about <laughs> podcast transcription. <laughs> 
Okay, so that was a far less depressing episode than our previous one. It really was. I, I mean, also was... came out sounding far less like a paranoid psychotic before the end. Uh, yes, yes, I love you, but yes. Yeah, no, I'm nothing good with you it. Said, nothing you said was wrong. <laughs> it was just like a lot out of thing where I was kind of sitting and was like, I'm now very, I was like, is Brett okay? I knew you were fine, but it was, yeah. <laughs> I was in a rough place. You're in a rough place. I think the whole country was in a rough place. So uh, you can find Overtired on Twitter at O-V-R-T-R-D. So go follow that. We tweet once in a while. So it won't, it won't fill up your stream. It will not. And, and if you, you, if you want to get us into like a 50 chain person, like at reply, can <laughs> feel free. The account's fine. And, uh, and you can also find us on iTunes where your reviews are very helpful and awful, often insightful and entertaining. So continue with that. Uh, Christina can be found on Twitter at film underscore girl. And, I can, uh, sorry, what? I was going to say, and Brett can be found at TT Scoff. Oh, you're jumping in. I was. I'm sorry. I cut that off now. And I'll also mention Christina's other podcast on Relay FM called Rocket, which is an entertaining and insightful podcast with Brianna Wu and Simone de Rochefort. Fun stuff. And Brett's other podcast is systematic, as you're probably aware, and it's always um it's always informative, and uh, I always get a lot out of it. If you haven't, you should check out the last episode that just went up this week. It is it is uh, Paul Witten and Mandy Fabian who just put out uh, Dropping the Soap, which is, it, to me, a hilarious... Uh, it's about soap operas and behind the scenes. And it's a comedy. Uh, you can find it on iTunes and... Uh, Google Play and Deku. So I think you, Christina, would love these. Oh, things. I have to check this out. Yeah, I have to. You have me at soap operas. I, I actually, I told them they needed to listen to this show too because I thought you guys would get along so well. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I'll definitely check that out and uh, everyone else should as well. Well, Christina, go get auto sleep and get some sleep. All right. You too, Brett. The system is going down low.